0: everyone and welcome to the MMNM podcast. I'm Steve Madden. I'm the editor-in-chief and general manager of MMNM and uh, glad you're with us today. Uh, joining us today to talk about the whole person health initiative is Kate Gallagher, the VP of marketing for Healthline Media. Hey Kate.
1: Hi Steve. How are you?
0: I'm good thanks and uh, welcome to the podcast. Glad you could join the show. Thank
1: you. It's great to be here.
0: So listen, uh, let's let's start at the beginning. Uh, Always a good place to start. Tell me a little bit about Healthline Media. What are you guys all about?
1: Sure. Um, So Healthline Media is the leading health information publisher. Our goal is to really make an impact on people's health and well-being and really focus on bringing clarity to people living with chronic conditions, living with overall health and wellness goals with compassionate yet reliable and medically backed content. We have a portfolio of leading brands, including Healthline.com, MNT, Greatest, and now Psych Central. Um, We reach about 85 million people in the U.S. every month.
0: That's great. I love Greatest. Um, I was on on Greatest yesterday looking up something. Um, A lot of good
1: information there.
0: Yeah, there sure is. We don't need to go into what I was looking up. HIPAA (laughs) prevents us from uh, mentioning that. Sure does. um, so, uh, so that's Healthline, but we're, we want to spend time today talking about the whole person health initiative that uh, that Healthline is doing. Tell tell me a little bit about it. What is it?
1: When we were looking into data around people living with chronic conditions, we really discovered a few different elements that we wanted to highlight. People were reporting that they had all these different needs outside of treating their chronic condition. That really made an impact on their overall health and well being, and really in every aspect of their lives. So, we really wanted to dig into why this was happening, if they were getting the help, the information that they needed on how to navigate these things. Um, and we really took it into four different areas of focus. Um, diet and nutrition is one major area of focus, mental health is another. Our other two areas that we'll look at are complementary health and financial wellness.
0: Today, we're going to focus on diet, nutrition, and mental health, right?
1: That's correct, yes.
0: Now, diet and nutrition is uh, an area that's pretty well subscribed with di- uh, digital content. Um, what led you guys to to go into to look at diet and nutrition as a topic for personnel?
1: A lot of people were looking up information around diet and nutrition and we really found that there were specific needs for people living with different chronic conditions Um, and even within those individual chronic conditions people had different needs within them. Uh, We found that people were coming to Healthline Media Properties and finding out information that they were trying to really cobble together, information around inflammatory diet or foods to reduce inflammation, but not necessarily within the context of their condition specifically. So we really identified how these individuals were seeking this information, um, looking to find out what they needed to do, and then taking that next step. So an example of this is 33% of people who visited psoriasis content, then immediately visited nutrition content. Another area that we really saw as a a need was based on a survey that we ran, that a lot of people were really looking for this information and looking for information around nutrition, but only 1% to 2% were seeing a professional, a dietitian or a nutritionist. And we really identified this gap and wanted to help people really dig into what nutrition meant within the context of their chronic condition.
0: So to put a fine point on it, what you guys are doing is providing nutritional information for, for specific conditions, nutritional information for people with uh, psoriasis uh, or Crohn's disease or something like that, right?
1: That's exactly correct. Yes.
0: So when you start to get into this, what are you starting to, to learn? Like what, what are the early returns on this?
1: We're really learning how much, how much information people truly need. So it's not just about the breadth of nutritional information that's, that's online and available. There's a lot of that. It's really around the depth of what they need at that point in time with their condition. We've really seen that they are no stranger to trial and error. So a lot of people are navigating symptoms, medication side effects, really trying to test out what works for their own body and with their specific condition. So they may understand and have a great knowledge around very specific diet plans like low sodium or sugar-free or low carb or um, multiple different FODMAP meal plans that a lot of people follow. Um, But they also are really looking at additional trends that they're seeing and evaluating them for themselves, understanding, what people who have similar conditions as they do are doing um, and really digging into, does this work for me? And when I try it, what, what are my next steps to really evaluate if this works? Uh, the second point of that is that we know that people know their bodies, um, but we also know that there is a need for that evaluated medical information. And we know that they're not seeing professionals. So and they why might is be- that?
0: Why, why are they not able to see or, or willing to see professionals?
1: A lot of it's access related. So they may be talking to a gastroenterologist, for example, um, and the gastroenterologist may provide a medication or provide a treatment, and they'll do a lot of DIY on their own when it comes to what they're eating. The second piece beyond access is they may think that someone doesn't know their body. So they may have seen a nutritionist in the past or a dietitian in the past who's really focused on a specific goal or objective but hasn't really treated someone living with this chronic condition so doesn't always listen to the person who is really trying to explore what what their what the nutritional impact is on their chronic condition with what they're eating
0: i mean this is a re- this is a really important topic right like you are what you eat garbage in garbage out but it's especially important to people with specific and chronic conditions. How do you aim to provide this, like the right kind of guidance and solutions within these populations?
1: That's a great question. A lot of what we focus on is, it's a combination of the medical information that we have, and then working with people who have experienced this, people who have lived this, um, and validating that with them. So a lot of what these, these people are doing is they're they're evaluating from their peer group, from their support groups, from their medical providers, different foods to eat, different diets to follow, et cetera. And we're kind of accelerating that step in a way for them. So we're also working with people who have tried different diets and then medically evaluating that with our medical team, all of our content goes through a very thorough review. So we're looking at different studies and what results have been in those studies, ensuring that there's statistical significance when we talk about the impact that certain foods or diets have, while also maintaining that curious and exploratory view of certain diets as well. So. It's a way for us to bring forward things that we know are working or things that people feel are working and to really evaluate them and address them directly in a, in a safe um, and, and reliable way for our audience.
0: So your audiences are, uh, are very particular and we all know that the communities around um, specific conditions and rare diseases and things like that, the communities are really strong and extremely mm-hmm. active. Yeah. Um, do you have mechanisms in place that allow for social social sharing or commenting or anything like that? Because that's such an important part of these groups. How, first of all, it's how they've found each other uh, and how the groups have come together, and it's how they stay in touch.
1: We do. We have a lot of different ways that we we do that. We have our own... Um, community platform that we leverage where it's a one-to-one connection platform and people can have conversations about whatever they want to talk about. So food often comes up in this. We also have a group platform within that for them to talk about their experiences, um, what they've eaten, different questions that we will seed around that. We also have conditioned specific community groups leveraging third parties like Facebook, um, where we ask questions, provide information, really, really support the community with additional info, um, new research that may have come out and new information around that. Just it allows us to foster those conversations with these really specific audiences for them to share their experiences, share their knowledge. Um, And we know with food, experience is a huge part of it. So it's the experience of eating the food itself, getting the food, cooking the food, preparing the food, but then also the impact it might have on their body, on their hormones, on their condition, that you know, hormone changes are incredibly complex for the medical community to study. So hearing those anecdotes are usually really valuable for these communities to understand the impact of someone else living with type 2 diabetes.
0: And I assume like any medical site, you're constantly monitoring this and tweaking it and updating it and everything else, correct?
1: You know, it's constant monitoring. We're making sure that the information that we're sharing is of the highest standards of medical review. Um, We're making sure that we're providing feedback to comments and things like that as well to ensure that it's not about sharing misinformation or, you know, the latest trend when it comes to fasting or carbs or anything like that. It's really a focus on what is working for these for these people with their specific conditions and and validating that with as much data and research as possible.
0: If you're just joining us midstream, uh, I'm Steve Madden. I'm the editor in chief of MMM and my guest today on the podcast is Kate Gallagher, VP of Marketing for Healthline Media. And we're talking about Healthline's whole person health initiative and it's it's fascinating stuff. We just talked about diet and nutrition. So if you're for whatever reason you've clicked on this midstream and you wanna rewind a little bit, you'll hear about what, uh, what, what they're doing around diet. Um, but we're forging ahead into one of, uh, into the second of the four topics that, uh, that this initiative covers and that's mental health. So we've, uh, we've talked about the body and now we're gonna talk about the soul uh, or the mind. So diet, nutrition for uh, specific conditions makes sense. Mental health does too. Can you talk a little bit about what what led you to the decision to make this one of your pillars?
1: Sure. Um, and mental health wellness is something that is is very very close to me personally. It's, it's something that I feel is critical for health and well being of, of people, and it's something that is very complex in our society now, especially within the past year for people living Great. with chronic conditions. We also just saw even prior to to the pandemic, we saw greater levels of isolation. We also saw that there were greater levels of um, diagnosed anxiety and depression. And another thing that we really think about and consider quite often is the cycle of that when it comes to a lot of these conditions. So the the gut and brain connection um, and the connection of depression and anxiety with inflammation, Um, When we're talking about inflammatory conditions or conditions that are greatly impacted by the endocrine system, there's essentially a cycle that can happen where there may be feelings of anxiety and depression, and then that could impact flares. So a person could have a flare, a person could have changes in their blood sugar. And there's a lot that that we know, but a lot that we don't know in this space where we know that there needs to be greater care and focus on people's mental health, especially when they're living with chronic conditions.
0: Now, is is access the same or there's similar issues to access as there are with uh, diet and nutrition, like getting in front of a nutritionist?
1: Access is a challenge um, in this space for sure. And I think that there are a couple of different Elements to that. I think cost is definitely one of them. Different from nutrition, I think that when when we're talking about mental health, someone needs to have a connection with someone in order for them to build a relationship and really talk through. Um, if we're talking about talk therapy, their challenges, their barriers, their joys, their sadnesses, um, and and that connection can often be hard to find, um, especially when people are living with a chronic condition where there's a lot of stigma attached to them, and so they may not be able to get referrals, their healthcare provider may not necessarily think that they need them or think that they would be useful, but then even when they do get a referral or take that next step, um, which usually requires a lot of barriers to be broken down even to get to that step, it's still about finding someone with whom they have a connection. Um, and that can also be a challenge as well. And then finally, insurance coverage for mental health care is, is, a, is a pretty major challenge and so, they're often trying to balance treatment costs with um, additional costs like a, like a mental health care provider, which just adds to the, to the burden and the barriers.
0: So this is a, such important work, especially now, um, with the sense of isolation that people might be feeling and the stigma around some of these ailments. Um, w- as you're, you're digging into it and you're building out the project, what are you, what are you learning
1: one of the interesting things that we learned is that a lot of people are navigating the isolation um, whereas we're finding out that a lot of people with chronic it was normal for them to feel isolated earlier than the pandemic. Um, and so I think that there's a resilience there that they may not have asked for, but that people have with navigating, a world where you have to protect yourself a bit more. And that could also, that could be emotionally protect yourself, but also physically protect ourselves from a a new virus that's out there. We also know that as barriers are reduced, the stigma is reduced. um, And that solves some of the problem. That solves some of the challenge of getting people to accept or be interested or willing to take that step and get treatment, um, which could be medication. It could be meditation. It could be a variety of things or talk therapy. And so what we're seeing is that when, as that stigma is reduced, there's more of a willingness to take that next step. That's still only part of it though. It's that access element that we want to make sure that we're opening up access. So making sure that people have mental health care providers who they relate to, who look like them, who speak like them, who have similar experiences. Um, And for people living with chronic conditions, that's even harder to find that needle in a haystack. So really thinking about how we make those connections for people is a critical part of how Healthline Media is thinking about the future of our impact in the mental health space.
0: Do you think projects like this help to destigmatize some of the, uh, the, the negative associations with some of these ailments?
1: I think they do. Um, and I think a lot of it really has to do with people, and this is across the board, not not just with chronic conditions, but people being interested and willing to participate in, in talk therapy or mental health care. Um, I do think that there also is an understanding that the mental health care providers need to understand around these conditions. So I think talking about it is part of it, but I don't think it's all of it. And I think it's really taking that next step where Continuing to talk about it really does open up a world of acceptance, where people might be more willing to explore their options um, and to really think about how they move in the world and and who they can talk to, who might relate to them. But again, I think it's I think it's part of the conversation. I think stigma is complex and. We can reduce it by continuing to talk about it, but it's continuing to provide that supportive and not that non-judgmental space right. where people can really right. feel safe to take that step forward.
0: I think it's been one of the uh, one of the more um, positive unintended consequences of the pandemic is that um, people are much more likely and willing to ask each other, "Are you okay? Like, how you doing?" And more importantly, to be receptive to Hearing it, like hearing how you're doing. I can think of some people um, in the past year who I've had conversations with about how they're feeling and coping and everything else, who I never once thought were people who would want to be sharing their, um, their emotional outlook with me. I, I think that's like a really positive thing. How does Healthline Media keep this going? Like, what do you do to continue normalizing? having the conversation and providing resources and encouraging people to to take advantage of them.
1: That's a great question. And <clears throat> excuse me, kind of going back to what you just said, I think before our worlds were were shifted, um, there was a belief that if someone looked okay, that everything was okay. And I think that we've continued to to take that to a different level, right? Over the past year, more so than I've seen in a long time, where people are having conversations, asking if someone is okay, and not just relying on, do they look great from the outside? Do they look happy? Are they, are they moving forward? Do they seem fine? Um, and I think that we never really know if someone's okay, and I think that there is more of a willingness to ask that question beyond, are you okay, and continue to have those conversations. Um, I also think that we've seen a major shift in people's perceptions of the challenges that others face. Um, I think that there was a lot that was known in terms of privilege and people having different access to information, to care, to an ease through life that I think that there's a, a bit of a deeper, a deeper understanding of the complexities of um, the structure of the society that we're living in. And I think acknowledging that um, and thinking about the next step of asking those questions, of supporting the people that we know, the people that we love, and truly understanding that people have very different lived experiences is is what we need to keep moving forward with and keep doing more of.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You're listening to the MMM podcast. I'm Steve Madden, editor-in-chief of MMM, And my guest is Kate Gallagher from Healthline Media. And we're talking about uh, Healthline Media's whole personal health initiative, we're uh, we're sort of uh, in the home stretch of our time here together, Kate, but I didn't want you to leave uh, without talking a little bit about health tech and the role that it plays in the topics that you just talked about, diet nutrition, and mental health, and how you guys are approaching things like telemedicine apps, wear wearables, things like that, um, and how that figures into the the whole person health initiative.
1: There has been, an incredible acceleration of health tech um, over the past year. I think even beyond um, health technology, I think we've just seen a really major shift from things that may have been offline, moving to online Um, and health, the health space and the wellness space is no different. Um, We've done a lot of, of research into telemedicine and in the past, there may have been a hesitancy for people to participate in that. And what we're really seeing is, a major shift because people had to get healthcare via telemedicine. And there was also some, some major barriers that were reduced to that from just a legalization standpoint of, you know, what could be said, security yeah. and things like that. So it really opened up and accelerated telemedicine adoption over the past year. What we do know is that a lot of people living with chronic conditions are seeing specialists and they would have to drive for hours, days, overnight to see the specialist and get access to the specialist and in-person care is still going to be very important for a lot of people um, living with chronic conditions or not. But this, this opening up of telemedicine and access to telemedicine to specialists has created um, a whole new world for people living with chronic conditions. So they can access care that may have been a time or a distance barrier in the past where now they can see that specialist, that neurologist, that endocrinologist who, you know, may live hours from their home. So we've really seen a major shift in how people living with chronic conditions have access to these care providers that they really need. We're also really seeing just a shift in, in the general population's behavior when it comes to apps and wearables, yeah. but more exploration in general for people with chronic conditions um, and more data around the specific data points that they might need for their condition. As as there becomes more data and information out there, they're able to evaluate symptoms. They're able to truly understand um, the day-to-day management, those small nuances that they may not have noticed the shifts in. They can Get a better understanding of you know those minor heart rate shifts or blood sugar shifts um, based on just the technology advancement of wearables and, uh, and apps and things yeah, like that.
0: And, and and data feeds the uh, AI machine too, right?
1: Exactly, um, and and monitoring from their healthcare provider as well. It's a it can be a seamless exchange of information for them in a secure way. Um, and we're also seeing that data, if it's feeding AI, it also has a major implication for clinical trials um, or advancements in treatments for a lot of these conditions. So there's a whole, a whole feedback loop that's occurring where people are able to monitor their own symptoms, um, their own body functions, and then their healthcare providers are, and then it's, we're able to connect it to that greater that greater clinical trial, um, and treatment approach that could really advance the lives of, of people living with chronic conditions.
0: When the, uh, when the pandemic started, uh, the key metric that I was focusing on was oxygen saturation levels. So I bought, um, mm-hmm. uh, I bought one of those things to put on my finger, even a year. And it's become a game to see, uh, how low I can get my pulse by, um, by box breathing and, and meditating. Uh, I'm lucky yep. that I don't, well, I do have chronic conditions, but nothing that I can't handle. And um, so being able to, to play around with it like that, how low can I get my pulse? How high can I get my O2 sat and everything else? Um, and it's all this, just this great data that I have about myself, which I can talk about for hours, but I won't because, <laughs> uh, because I want to make sure that people understand and, and we'll be talking again. I mean, this is just the first of, uh, of a couple of podcasts that we're doing with Healthline Media, but the, the whole person health initiative, if there were one thing that you wanted uh, our listeners to understand about it um, and and act on. What would that be?
1: One thing is tough, so I'm I'm going to not follow directions <laughs> and say two things. Um, <laughs> one is, is 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 for the people living with chronic conditions that we're listening. I think that that's the biggest piece of it for for me uh, personally. Is that there are a lot of things that are going on in everyone's lives, and when you add a chronic condition to that, it just takes that to a, a new complicated level. Um, that a lot of that people don't don't ask for, um, in all honesty. So something that's critical for us at Healthline Media is that we're listening to the many different stories that people have and the many different lived experiences that people have. And I think that the second thing is for our partners. We have this information, we have these audiences, we have this understanding, and we want to share that. We want to make things easier for people living with chronic conditions, we want them to know that they're not alone. And we want to share that information with our partners, um, and really help them understand how to connect with people living with these chronic conditions. A lot of, a lot of our partners have products or treatments that make people's lives easier. And we want to make sure that we are getting them to connect with their audience in the right way, truly understanding who these people are, what people need um, to be healthy, to be well, and to really live um, a joyful life.
0: So, Kate, this is this is a lot of great information, um, and I think that there are a lot of different people working in this ecosystem who would want to learn more about it and potentially even partner with you. Uh, if people are listening to this podcast uh, and they uh, they want to get in touch with you and learn more, uh, how can they do that?
1: They can visit us at healthlinemedia.com um, and go to our contact us page, where we would love to hear from you. Um, submit your information, and we will get back to you quickly.
0: Kate, you've been a, a fabulous guest. Um, and talking uh, talking about the Whole Person Health Initiative has been really, really interesting because it's really important work that you're doing more so now than ever. My guest has been Kate Gallagher, VP of Marketing for Healthline Media. And you've been listening to the MMNM Podcast I'm Steve Madden, Editor-in-Chief of hmm We'll be back with Healthline Media in a couple of weeks to talk about the, the other two pillars of the Whole Person Health Initiative, and I hope you'll join us then. Thanks very much for listening, everybody, and we'll see or hear you soon. Bye-bye.